Hey, Brian, uh, what are you drinking over there? Some of this Nepta, bro. It's delicious. Um, you do know that that's basically like crack injected with nanobots for droids, right? I do. I do. I do. Now. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and watching TV and movies. This is our review of The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 6, titled Guns for Hire. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek, joined by the mad scientist Brian Banner to review this as we do all of our TV episodes using the four Bro Four Squad criteria, which is the acting, the story, our favorite scene, and then... Theories and questions going forward. All right, Brian, um, lots to unpack here. I do kind of hate Not that really. We, it's just fucking terrible. <laughs> do kind of hate that we start with acting and cast because I feel like that is where a lot of the criticism begins for this episode. So I guess just for fans at home who might not have listened to our last review, let's let people know where we left off season five feeling about the show before you get into what you thought about the acting and cast for episode six, if that makes sense. So, what are we, 22, 23 episodes in now uh, of the entire series? Yeah, I believe so. So, last episode, uh, episode five of season three, was probably a top three to five episode of the entire series. This one is the worst episode of the entire series, uh, and it's not even fucking close. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, if we're just going to start out with acting and cast, Jack Black was Jack Black, which hasn't been funny since I was 13. Um, Lizzo, boy, uh, I've seen acting that bad in a really, really long time. Yeah, let me read you what Nate Thurmond, who couldn't be on this episode, sent us about Lizzo, because I think it describes it perfectly. Now, um, my wife loves her music. It's kind of like a joke that we have. Uh, she's very musically talented. Give her all that. But Nate Thurmond said, quote, this was not the platform for Lizzo to test the waters with acting. Like, she was reading straight off the page. Sounded like she was at a table read. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was uh, there were times where I was looking in her eyes to see if she was just reading off of a teleprompter. Yeah, because it felt like very, very scripted. It wasn't natural. Unfortunately. And another thing Nate said, and then I'll throw it right back to you, is that and I kind of said this last week with Tim Meadows, but this felt like I think especially because of Jack Black, who I love as a performer, but this is not where you put him. This felt like an SNL digital short parody of The Mandalorian. Yeah, he hit the nail on the head right there. 100%. Uh, only thing I'll add is Christopher Lloyd was fine until he wasn't. <sighs> yeah, and and I'll get into this in just a second about how his character really makes no sense, like his quote-unquote plan in this or yeah. any of his actions. And again, I love Christopher Lloyd, but at this point, considering the other stunt casting that they had done, it made it really hard for me to appreciate anything he did because I was like, another cameo in this? It's weird that they decided to do all this at once. In the same episode, right? Yeah, I mean, but also at the same time, I would rather them just give it to me all in one shot than sprinkle this badness across five or six episodes. Yeah. So and I, 
I don't like it, but I mean, I guess I'd rather it this way. I mean, the internet is really shit on this. I don't want to pile on too much, but considering, and I'll get into this right in just a few seconds in story, but all the momentum that this show had last week, this episode could not have been worse timed. I mean, no. it felt really gimmicky. It felt like a, it felt like, you know, when like a sitcom is about to get canceled and during sweeps week, they do something crazy, bring in like a, you know, big cameo or like a big guest star to try and pump up ratings. This just felt like a desperate attempt at that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can't I can't add anything else to that. And I don't think we've had a review of The Mandalorian in three seasons where we've been this critical of the show, but I think it definitely deserves it. Like, it's not impervious to critiques, and this was pretty embarrassing, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll say it. This is the worst thing to ever happen to Star Wars. Ever. Wow. You heard me. And go listen to our uh, The Last Jedi review to really get a barometer for what that statement means when Banner says it. It, I would rather watch The Last Jedi than the, this episode. Would you rather watch the Christmas special? The holiday special? Uh, you know, the Christmas holiday special is at least, like, so bad it's funny. This was just so bad it was embarrassing. Yeah. And Jack Black, which I love in the right context, but doing his little voice... Hello. Hey, 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 hey. It's Dude, Jack this, is, this is Star Wars, bro. Like, I know you want to be a part of it, but like, it's, it's just not going to work. That'd be like if Adam Sandler showed up and started doing this. I think there's only one way Jack Black would have worked in the Star Wars universe, and that is as a droid. That would have been great. But instead, they made him a ex-imperial side I don't hustle of Lizzo. I also, guess. Lizzo is like almost 30 years younger than him, I think, which again, people have been married to people like that before, but like, I don't see them as a couple at all. No, 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 no. I, the age to me is of them, you know, them pairing up and being a couple. The age isn't the factor there. The, the, the fact that they just aren't compatible people is the problem. Like, I, I do not buy that at all Yeah. in any universe, in any galaxy, no matter near or far. <laughs> All right, you ready to move on to story and plot? I, the, I will say this, I guess, real quick. The stuff that Katie Sackhoff had to do towards the end of the episode was good. Excellent. It really it really worked for me. The problem was, and I'll, I guess this is a great segue to story and plot, for 90% of this episode, it felt like a superfluous side quest you would play in a video game and just shot the show right in its own foot with killing the momentum that we had from last episode with this mission. I mean, the reasoning and justification behind them going on the entire mission they go on for the majority of the episode is really stupid just so yeah. they can talk to the Mandalorians and they know where they are. And she has a previous relationship with them. Like that's dumb. The mission itself is dumb. Um, and, and it's poorly put together and structured. And it, it just felt like a really bad way to try to inject three character actors into yeah. the Mandalorian. So what do you think? The, of that was the 30 worst minutes of star Wars. And I've watched every star Wars thing that has been put out uh video wise film wise this was the worst 30 minutes ever and that's saying a lot because there's some really fucking bad stuff out there yeah uh, and the plot synopsis real quick just so people at home if in case they didn't know exactly the way it was described is very short it says the mandalorian visits an opulent world oh that explains a lot mm -hmm. but i mean if you say any more then you would just be adding and it's a really bad episode uh look for real though we now know what Hawaii Five-0 looks like in the Star Wars universe, <laughs> and it does not look good. 
Um, yeah, again, the thir- first 30 minutes of this was worse than The Last Jedi, in my opinion. Uh, loved all the stuff with Bo-Katan and challenging Ace Wolf at the end and that that fight and realizing that she is the true beholder of the dark saber all of that worked for me unfortunately you had a terrible buddy cop sitcom for the first 30 minutes that is just too deep of a hole to dig out of in any scenario nate thurman said kind of boring but necessary opening scene to establish bo katan's old crew i'm going to get into that in scene in a second (laughs) <laughs> then he said, a pile of dog shit for the next 30 minutes. Decent last five minutes. I was shocked to see Bryce Dallas Howard directed this episode. I was too. I was very disappointed. I'm wondering how much of it was like you, this is what you're given, and she had to make the best of it, unfortunately. Because I think she's a great director. Great I do director. too. And I don't know, this just felt tonally all over the place. Um, the script was pretty rough. A lot of plot holes, a lot of non sequiturs. It really felt like a filler episode, which when you have an eight episode season, um, can't really have can't really have those. The the only thing I'll say, yeah. So, uh, Hellgate, Christopher Lloyd's character in story and plot, his motivation and his plan makes zero sense. So he is a separatist, correct? From what I understand. All right, so. I guess two things I'll say. Number one, what what does he want the droids to do exactly? Like randomly vandalize uh, trash cans and somehow the power of his planet will go back to who? Because of these misdemeanors? Exactly. Okay. And then second off, if this was his plan, why would he uh, send Din and Bo-Katan directly to the place where they would figure out his plan? The only people... The only people who actually could verify what's happening were the Ugnots. That's where he sent them. Yeah, I, again, I have no idea. I, I, I've tried to figure out what the motivations and the direction of this episode and the meeting behind it. I've tried to dig, okay, is there something that they can come back and pull a string on later? There's not. There's, there's nothing, right? Okay, so I guess it just is that bad. Yeah. I think it is. I mean, I've got one theory, maybe, that is, man, is it grasping at straws that I'll get into later of why we may still have some significance, but not not much. When we get into theories and questions, Nate Thurman's first question is incredible. Yes, <laughs> it is. So, all right, let's move on to best scene. Um, again, the majority of this episode was, like, just them letting Jack Black and Lizzo play around and have some fun. Um I have two things I want to bring up. First off, it was cool to see battle droids again. Yes. And so that battle droid chase scene was pretty cool. The problem was it, the context around it was just not done well. The, the idea, though, I think it's a really interesting idea that these repurposed battle droids basically have like an iRobot um, tendency to like maybe revert back to their old programming if put yeah. in certain situations. Like Mando fucking with the droids where they were walking to me was really interesting. And but, that was actually kind of funny. He's right. like, well, I found it. Yeah. <laughs> so that part to me was kind of cool. And again, it gave me like sort of like Coruscant vibes, you know, like this, uh, there's like more to it than, we, you know, meets the eye. And there's could be some weird uh, criminal conspiracy that ends up being, you know, falling flat on its face. One thing I have to say, just because it was so goofy and I didn't appreciate it at the time, but in hindsight, I'm like, that was kind of fun. The Mon Calamari octopus love story that we come into in the beginning of the episode. Uh, I was 
I know you're going to roll your eyes, I but I thought that was fucking funny. It was <laughs> digging it. It was kind of funny, but it just kind of gets lost after that because it takes such a drastic downhill. And so if we're starting that at, at that point and it just, yeah, it was funny. The part that made me laugh way, way more than it should have. And I am embarrassed to say that I'm saying this is my best scene. But when they walk into the droid bar and there's all these droids just like beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. And like listen to the music and you see all these droids across the entire Star Wars universe. And they just like stop and it goes silent. Like when the, the villain of an old Western walks into the saloon. That yeah. whole scene was just so ridiculous. And the more you think about it, the more you're like, okay, wait, there are droids that obviously have some sort of programming are programmed out to go to a bar and yeah. and drink motor oil. A droid bar. Yeah. When they first said that, I was like, that sounds like the lamest place of all time. Yeah. I laughed so hard when they walked in and it's literally that it is a bar just full of droids beep bopping around. They had the droid game on, you know? Yeah. It's like a <laughs> droid Dave and Buster's. Probably less expensive, though. The droid bowl, man. Mm-hmm. Nate Thurman said literally only one scene. I mean, we didn't take it because it's so obvious, but of course, Bo-Katan and uh, what's the other guy's name? that she uh, Ace Wolf, I believe. Ace Wolf. He's fucking awesome. Yeah. That scene was incredible. The problem was by the time we got there and the plot device that they used to get us there had me just so worn out and frustrated that it was almost hard for me to appreciate it. But the choreography there was unique. I got the motivations completely why they were fighting. To me, that should have been basically an entire episode. Yeah. Like, it almost could have been, like, her meeting her former clan, pitching them on what they want. Maybe he makes her go on, like, some mission to, like, test her loyalty or something. And he says, like, if you get, you know, whatever the MacGuffin is, you can come back and challenge me. That that would have been a cooler episode to me than trapezing around this weird city with Lizzo, Jack Black, Christopher Lloyd, and then Grogu, like, winning the Yard Game Olympics. Yeah, what the fuck was that? I don't know, man. <laughs> All right, uh, you want to move on to theories and questions? I guess. I so, Nate, Thur- Nate Thurman's first question is, how did Bryce Dallas Howard let this happen? <laughs> it's a, it's, it is probably the most valid question we are going to have this entire show. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, if you look at this episode, I guess the one hard part about directing it is, like, Tonally, there's a lot of disparity, right? Like we start with the Mon Calamari love story, which I think they were kind of playing that for laughs, like the way that Bo-Katan's former clan like interacted with them. They were like, we know you guys are fucking and we really don't care. I actually hope it works out. We were just hired to bring you back. Yeah. So you go from that to obviously the introduction of Jack Black and Lizzo, which inherently you, she had to know Bryce Dallas Howard is going to take any viewer out of the episode. Yeah. And then just as you're kind of starting to settle in, like, all right, maybe this you know, mission they're going to go on is actually going to bring me back into the Mandalorian world. Then we see Doc Brown pop up. <laughs> and then then it ends with a very, very serious moment where Bo-Katan essentially wins back her clan, gets possession of the Darksaber. But at that point, it's like, what if, I mean, you, you're, you've been yanking me all over the place in terms of what this tone is. So I guess I kind of feel for her in terms of what she was asked to do with this episode. Um, she was pinned into a corner, I think. Basically. It must have just been, there's no way to really get a you can't get blood from a stone, you know, you can't really get a solid episode out of the, what she was asked or given on the storyboard for this. Right. Um, all right. I have a quick question that I think you'll actually know the answer to because you've seen more 
well, I haven't seen Rebels at all, but you've seen more of the animated stuff that ties into this. So the logistics of the dark saber and who gets it, I think I finally wrapped my head around like what you need to do to successfully wield it. It's essentially like a confidence thing in the yeah. weapon. Like it can sense insecurity and it knows like, yeah, you're, you're a little bitch. Um, but in terms of Din's logic to give it back to Bo-Katan, I feel like there's just a lot of errors or issues we could run into with that because he says it's like the ipso facto right it's like in college football if you were like well alabama's the national champion but uh auburn beat you know tennessee who beat alabama so auburn's the national champion isn't that kind of how din is saying bo katan gets the dark saber yeah so from my understanding of the lore of the dark saber is first off if you have the dark saber you are the one that can unite all of the Mandalorian tribes. That is the one thing that all the Mandalorian tribes and clans respect is the dark saber. So in order to wield that, you have to win it via battle from whoever has it. Um, how Moff Gideon got it. We don't know. Um, obviously we know that at one point, uh, this is spoilers for rebels and uh, clone wars possibly, but we know that Darth Maul has it. Things happen in Rebels. Sabine Wren ends up having it. I don't remember how she loses it or if she loses it, but somehow Moff Gideon gets it. Then Din Jarjan beats Moff Gideon, so now he technically can wield it. Is but you Moff can tell Gideon in Rebels, not that I remember. Okay. No. Um, and clearly, since Din has it, he has not wanted it. He doesn't want that mantle. He hasn't wanted to. He's not the. He doesn't. He's been feel trying to get rid of it for a while. Right. He tried to give it to her, and obviously she wouldn't take it at the end of uh, was that season two. Yeah. Um. So. Or was it season? When did Luke show up? Was I think that, that was the. I think that was the end of. I don't remember. That was two because one ended uh, with like the shootout in the. Moff Gideon and like the, that's right yeah yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah that's when he tried to give it to her and she was like I would love to take this I just can't yeah so he I think has been looking for an excuse to give it to her since the beginning um and so yeah I think it's a, oh yeah you defeated my enemy who defeated me so that means that you are the rightful owner I think it was more of a I'm gonna throw some shit on the wall and and if they anyone calls they me don't. out <laughs> And all the other Mandalorians are like, I mean, I don't, we, n none of them are like, well, we're not referees. We don't know the rule book that well. Like, maybe. Yeah. So I think it is it is a little bit of a weak way for her to get it. But also, it's the only way to keep her and Din on the same team with her being the leader. I was always just wondering, why didn't Din just be like, challenge me for it? And I'll just like basically throw the fight. Because uh, there's no honor in that, right? I guess. I think, but I think is... because of his covert and his the way that he was brought up everything revolves around honor and okay. so i think that goes against everything that he believes in personally that's what i would do is like yo oh no you beat me here you go darn but now i feel bad for bo katan because like when she's at the bar having to explain people how she got the dark saber if she's like no i didn't beat him but i beat a guy that be i actually beat him before so yeah. i that's how i got because at this point like it just seems like it's going to get really dicey, like to figure out who actually like what if there's someone who beat Bo-Katan and someone else beat that person in battle previously like that. Then they could come and be like, yeah, you have to give me the Darksaber now. Yeah, I, I 
I think that it's supposed to, which I don't know that you'll relate to this as much, but how the Elder Wand in Harry Potter passes from person to person. You have to be defeated in battle for that wand to do all of your bidding and be the most powerful wand. The Darksaber, I think, is supposed to work similar to that. Uh, but there's a lot of like asterisks and, you know, oh, well, they were on steroids at that time, but not at this time. So right. it doesn't count. We're know? adding in like strength of schedule and RPI. Exactly. So. RPI, all of that. Okay. All right, that's really all I had because the only other thing I had was was the Hellgate theory or question about how like what is his actual plan and I think we pretty much established uh, it doesn't make sense and he literally sent Din and Bo to the only place where they could get the information to catch him so I got that one answered. So, so what do you the have? the only other um, the only I, I still stand by my theory of we're still going to end up with the New Republic. And the Mandalorians squaring off against each other while Moff Gideon is kind of pulling the strings in the background, um, trying to somehow get Grogu to create Snoke. I think that at the end of the day, that is a really big nutshell version of what the rest of the season is, is going to have. As far as what this episode has in connection or in, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Any Any sort of merit that this episode is going to have on the rest of the season is, do you remember very early on, it was the first episode, he came to Grief Karga and said, I need that droid. Yeah. And Boba Frick's cousins were like, oh, well, you need the memory circuit. Okay, I'll go find one. Could he have possibly got one either in the droid bar or from the Ugnaughts that is possibly tainted unknowingly with these nanobots that is going to come and bite him in the butt at the you know final battle or something like that. Very likely. We didn't necessarily see that, uh, but I think that's something they can easily explain away later on in a, in a very convincing way. I would hope he would have the foresight to be like, if I got the circuit from here, I know that there's a high chance or a likelihood that it is not going to actually work based on what I observed from the droids on this planet. But maybe he's so desperate to get that droid up and running that he's willing to take the chance. Yeah. But then also that just may be a thing that they abandoned very early because we haven't revisited that at all. Like it doesn't seem like he's actually on this quest to find that part anymore. True. Yeah. They have so, not mentioned it since that one moment in season one, unless I missed it. Yeah. Very, very early in the episode as well. So I don't, I don't think that's very likely, but I was trying to pull something out of this episode, and, and that was the best I could come up with. Um, let me throw a theory slash question out there. I'm assuming you're caught up on the announcements from Star Wars Celebration this past week. I believe so. Okay. Yes. So we know two main film projects we know we're getting is, number one, Daisy Ridley is returning uh, yep. in, a, in a movie. Not They haven't announced a, a trilogy of sorts, which I think is smart at this point. Uh, yeah, I think you got to see... see the reception of her coming back. But I, I do think they will include that as one of the episodic Star Wars movies, hers. Um, and then we know we're getting a Mandalorian movie directed by Dave Filoni. God, I'm so excited for that. Right. So seemingly this will probably be the last season of the show, and they will want to set up that movie. Um, I mean, what are some possibilities? I guess it's a little early now, but this whole Mandalorian Civil War, I think we might not actually get it in this season, they might just set up like shit's about to hit the fan. And that's where we, the jumping off point for the film, which I would actually be cool with. I think at this point. Yeah. I think I would be fine with them setting the stage 
uh, Act 1 and possibly Act 2 is New Republic Mandalorians. Maybe Act 1 is Mandalorians fighting and realizing, okay, we have to come together to beat the New Republic. Then them fighting the New Republic in the second act. Third act is, oh no, Moff Gideon's back and he's pulling all the strings. Um, something along those lines or kind of that structure I can see happening. And this just being a disappointing end to the season with the knowledge that you're getting a movie to sum it all up and tie up all the strings. Yeah, with th- three episodes left, if we weren't getting the movie, I would probably be a little more upset at this episode. Just considering we only, you know, now we only have two episodes left, but I guess now this is something we can just kind of wash away if they have a good solid two episodes to end this arc and lead us into that film. And I have trust in Dave Filoni and and really Favreau to this point too. I think Favreau, um, I don't want to say yields to Kathleen Kennedy a little bit more, but accommodates her. And this has Kathleen Kennedy written all over it, this episode. And I think that they said, okay, well, look, We'll do this. We'll put in your stupid Jack Black and give Lizzo her shot that she doesn't deserve and bring a washed up Christopher Lloyd back. Uh, But you have to give us this, this and this free reign of the last two episodes and the movie to all connect. I can see there being an under the table deal, something like that. Yeah. And just the fact that like, I mean, we always knew they had a plan, but I think it's it's a cool and unprecedented idea to end. Maybe MASH did this, but to end this show with a feature film is a really cool uh, premise. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to Firefly. Obviously, Firefly got canceled after one season. Very disappointing because that season was amazing, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And they got a movie later on. Um, I know Chuck is in pretty serious talks right now to also get a renewed movie um, to finish out their shitty fifth season of that show. So I, I think that this is something that Hollywood and the the industry is kind of leaning towards and say, hey, we have a decent season. Now let's sum it up with a movie. Um, I, I, I definitely see that happening. Yeah. All right. Last thing from Nate Thurmond. Uh, I believe this is a, I guess this is a question. He says, Bo-Katan and Din are getting along. Do we think, do we still think there will be a rift between them at the end of the season or have things changed? I mean, at this point, the reverence Din has for Bo-Katan and the way he's really bent over backwards to help her achieve her goals as far as like becoming a leader among the Mandalorians. I don't see any, I mean, I know she was pissed at him at first or maybe more just jealous. How can she be fucking upset with Din? Like where could the rift be? He's literally done everything he can and honestly kind of like broken a lot of rules and traditions or bent them. To, make, to put her in the best position possible. Like, I don't really see how there can be any tension between them. Yeah, I don't, I think there, I don't think there's any animosity from him to her. I can see there being animosity from her to him. Obviously, she, she lost the Darksaber at some point and he got it and there's clear jealousy that he had it. Um, but now she has it again and I think she's kind of indebted to him for bringing that to light i mean he could have just kept his fucking mouth shut and been like no this is mine she didn't beat anybody yeah if she's angry with him it's like she's just really just mad at herself yeah he's like what else do you want me to do man i'm basically like making up rules to give you the dark saber like help me help you yeah so yeah that's a good question because three episodes ago when bo-katan first came back into the show i definitely would have said rift between the two of them whether mando like wants to or not um, but now, I mean, 
trying to figure out who, the the only real antagonist or uh, foil I could see to the Mandalorians because it seems like they're all going to get on the same page uh, is like you said Moff Gideon's crew or whoever was in charge of freeing him. Yep. So that's where things are headed. And again, we we don't know if that will be covered in this show or set up for the film, which we're getting afterwards. All right, anything else, Brian? That's all I got, man. I'm just excited that this is over and I don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, I hope that, you know, in the next two weeks when we finish this season, this is just a blip on the radar. But this was uh, this was awful. It was really, really bad. And this show should be embarrassed. I think they are. Good. I haven't seen the internet backlash, but have you seen anything? I'm assuming it's pretty similar to what we're thinking. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've just heard, seen headlines. Of, this is the worst episode of Mandalorian. This is the beginning of the end for the Mandalorian. Uh, this was terrible. What were they doing? Just nothing positive. I canceled my Disney Plus and sold my Disney stock because of this. All right, for the Mad Scientist, Brian Banner, and are the Force Ghost, uh, the American hero, Nate Thurman. I'm the Mayor, Jeff Hornacek. We are the Bro Force Squad podcast. Thank you for checking us out. Two episodes left of season three of The Mandalorian. We will be here to cover them all. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify. If you type in Bro Force Squad as three separate words, type in those same three words on Letterboxd. You'll find us. We're also on Twitter, at Bro Force Squad, and on our website, BroForceSquad.com. Till next time, Brian and I have to go play some lawn games with Jack Black and Lizzo. No, we don't. Do we have to? No, we don't. Contractually? We should show our faces. They invited us, but we don't have to stay long. He does make a good steak.